conditions of the people who were listening to him, what made it so obvious to them and so strange to us. We've learned a lot about what some of the Greek words mean, because it does come to us in Greek. And we've, we've learned a lot about the evangelists themselves. We used to think of them as sort of like windows through which we, we find Jesus. But they really play a bigger part than just being windows. We've discovered that these are great craftsmen. Matthew and Luke really are authors who interpret Jesus for us by the kind of the way they package the sayings of Jesus, the way they frame the sermon and the rest of their gospel, the way the rest of their gospels uh, throw light on the sayings of Jesus. And Matthew and Luke, though they're giving us the same truth and introducing the same Jesus. They had their own ways of doing it. So the more we pay attention to them, the more we hear the Jesus that they're interpreting. Just over the last hundred years, there's been this quest for the historical Jesus. You know, trying to get behind the Gospels and find the Jesus that's behind the evangelists. Well, that's been a kind of a mixed uh, it's mixed reviews. We've learned some important things. We've taken Jesus more seriously as a Jew who grew up Jewish and spoke mainly to his fellow Jews. And we, we've learned a lot about the Greek words. But we've discovered that these things are not archival history. These are interpretations of Jesus, what Jesus means after Easter, everything in the Gospels is written through Easter glasses. They weren't meant to be archived for historians. They are interpretations of history, but for the point of what does it mean for Christians after Easter? That's why it's important to, to listen to, to Matthew and Luke. Now, each of them works hard to get us ready to hear the Sermon on the Mount in each of their versions. Jesus doesn't simply come to us uh, out of a vacuum when he speaks the Sermon on the Mount. He's been thoroughly introduced in very uh, artful ways. So let's look at each one of the evangelists and see how they prepare us to hear their version of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's how Matthew's introduction goes. He helps us understand who's talking, what time it is in history, uh, where is this mountain, how are we, how are we to understand the venue, uh, and to whom is Jesus speaking? Just to those folks back then, are we somehow included from the point of view of the evangelist? Let's take each one of those questions. Matthew presents Jesus as somebody who fulfills Jewish history. The Messiah for whom they were waiting, the Anointed One, the son of David, the son of Abraham, meaning the one in whom the promises to Abraham are fulfilled, the one in whom all the nations will find a blessing, not just the Jews. And that's why we get that that genealogy showing Jesus as the fulfillment and the culmination of Jewish history. What time is it? Matthew wants to remind his readers that this is the time of the end times. 
they began with Jesus. The end times are not what the fundamentalists on the street corner are saying, something is just around the corner in 2001. They began in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So that's why he's presented as the climax of Jewish history through the genealogy. That's why Jesus speaks about the fulfillment, the coming of the reign of God. That's, that simply is not an affirmation that the Lord is the, is the Lord of, of all time. The, the reign of God means that the end time manifestation of God's kingship is being revealed in a fresh and saving way through Jesus. And the whole experience of Pentecost and the formation of these spirit-filled groups. Now that mountain, 